0: there's so much pressure when we're younger to sort of think that we're going to have it all figured out. But I think what we forget is that there will be things, jobs, that no one could have conceived of when we were in high school or college.
1: In Your Element is a teen-hosted podcast covering conversations with our allies. I'm your host, Abby Jones, and I get to chat with some of the most inspiring educators, creators, and changemakers reflecting on their teen years, what makes them feel the most in their element daily, and things that they wish they had known as a teenager. This podcast is a sister organization with The Element Collective. The Element Collective hosts virtual and in-person workshops providing mindfulness, movement, creativity, fun, and other tools that high school age girls need to love themselves, own their authenticity, and tap into who they truly are. More approachable than traditional group therapy or school clubs, Element Collective founders Mary Allard and Kylie Roswell base their approach on the five elements and create a safe and playful environment for girls to connect with themselves and others. Because when each of us are in our element, Magic happens. If you're interested in being a part of any of the Element Collective events or joining our Element community, like me hosting this podcast, or even Gabby, who produced the music that you're hearing now, you can follow this podcast wherever you listen, connect with us on Instagram at Element Collective, or check us out at elementcollective.com. That's E L L E M E N T Collective. Welcome to the podcast. I am so stoked because I think everything about your brand and who you are fits the Element brand really, really well. Um, You co-founded an app called OK So. I'm just blown away because it's really cool. Um, So (laughs) tell me what that is. I don't want to say something that it's not so you tell me what okay. So is.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm happy to do that. So I'll share maybe a bit about how we started it first, cause I think it's maybe kind of helpful to know that. So my co-founder Francisco and I both were working in sort of the field of public health. We were both sexuality educators. And what we noticed was that when we were able to have one-on-one conversations with people, we really felt like that was where we were able to have the greatest impact. And I think part of the reason for that is that we all want human connection. And part of the reason for that is that often the issue or the thing that's going on is more complicated than just something that we can Google or read an article about. We really want someone who can hear our story, or there might be something that we believe about ourselves, or that we believe about what a relationship should be, or, you know, what our timeline should be like, or something like that, right? Some kind of message we got from the world that is kind of standing in the way Mm -hmm. of us hearing what we need to hear or making the change that we need to make. And it's really only in a one-on-one conversation that we can point out those things, that we can help support someone, that we can validate the things that they're going through. There's no article or chat bot or one or two sessions in a high school curriculum sex ed class that's really ever going to be able to do that for people. And so we started thinking about how could we take those incredibly powerful one-on-one conversations that we were having with folks and give everybody access to that. No matter who you are, you deserve to have someone like that to talk to. And so that is really what okay. So came from, so it's a free mobile app that's available for iOS and Android and anyone 13 and up can create a free account it's anonymous. So we collect a bit of information, but like, it's really just all our account tracking. It's not actually anything that when you ask a question, anyone is seeing. So for folks who are asking a question, they're totally anonymous. They get to pick a username, they get to pick an emoji avatar, and then they pick a team of experts. And our experts are organized based on different topic areas. So we have things like birth control and pregnancy and STIs and safer sex, the things that you might anticipate if you're thinking about sexual health and, and issues around there. But we also have an identity team, a dating and relationships team, a stress and self-care team, a sex team, which we get lots and lots of questions in. So we tried to think about what's the huge range of things that people might want to talk about. So folks create their account, they pick a team, then they ask their question and they can ask it in their own words. So it can be really short. It can be really long. They can give us as much context as they want. And then whichever expert is available from that team responds and often multiple experts will chime in as well. So it kind of is like a group chat and we will stick with that person until they have the answer to their question. Um, and then we also are starting now to work with other organizations and sort of bringing them onto okay, so So occasionally we're able to actually refer someone to an organization that's in their area as well and they can chat with the staff there.
1: That's amazing. I love that so much. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> um what led you to want to create this app? Was it something that happened for you as a teen? Was it something more recent for you where you were like, "You know what? This would be cool."
0: Yeah, it's kind of all of it. Yeah. So, I I grew up in the Midwest in an evangelical family, and I actually I remember in high school, I was not allowed to take sexuality education because the classes were taught by someone that everyone in our community assumed was a lesbian. And I remember my mom saying to me, I don't want you learning about that from one of those people or that sort of person, Mm -hmm. something like that. So I had the sort of what are periods kind of conversation in earlier years, but in high school, I had nothing. So I was really left to figure it all out for myself and this, and I'm dating myself here, but I'm proud of my age. It's fine, but this was before Google existed. So I was really out there in the like wilds of the new internet, like just trying to figure things out for myself, like literally on what were called bulletin board forums at the time. That was really what I think sparked my interest in it. I found that not only did I like learning about it, but I liked being the person that my friends then came to when they had questions and we were talking things through and that kind of continued into college, continued into getting a master's of public health. I did a bunch of different things, And then the moment really, I think, when OK So itself began was when Francisco and I were, we were working on a completely different project, but as part of that project, kind of looking at the landscape of what was happening with technology and sexual health. And what we found was that a lot of it was kind of, well, let's take what we're doing somewhere else and just put it into tech. So here are some articles that you can read in an app on your phone, Mm. or you know, here are some questions that have already been answered, and you can look at them on your phone. <laughs> and it was sort of like, okay. But it didn't really feel like people were using technology to do something new, or different, or to enable people to access support in a different way. And so that was really, I think, for us, the moment when we thought, well, what if we tried to do that? And then here we are, like six years later, uh, <laughs> having learned a ton, and having answered over 12,000 questions. So it's been... A really fun ride.
1: Wow. Yeah, I bet. That's so fun. I I mean, yeah, you mentioned that you loved being the person who knew the things and that people would come to. And I 100% relate to that. I love being the person who gets to know things and can teach other people about those things. I'm just too lazy to learn the things. (laughs) So I'm (laughs) not very good at doing that. But yeah, I totally relate to that. Um, was there any specific moment for you that like, is there any moment when you're thinking about your journey that stands out to you as like, this is when it started?
0: Yes, I absolutely. So when I got to college, I thought that what I wanted to do was psychology and specifically that I wanted to do research in a lab. And I ended up actually working in a stereotyping and prejudice lab. So we were researching how people stereotype and prejudice. It was really mm, cool research. Awesome. I, it was really exciting. I worked, I worked in a lab where I was working with babies and like how babies pay attention to things. It was my job to like pay attention to where they were looking. I really liked it. It was really fun work. And at the same time, I knew that I wanted to do some kind of volunteer work on my campus and there was a, I was working in a lab where we were, it was research on intravenous drug users and their kids and sort of their relationships. And I can't even remember anymore. It's been so long. So I had that job every Friday. What I also wanted to do was volunteer as a rape crisis support person Mm. on my campus. However, the trainings for that also every Friday. So I couldn't go because of this internship job thing that I had. So instead I started looking around on campus and there was a peer health education program. They called it Well Women, cause I went to Barnard, which is a women's college mm. and their trainings were not on Fridays. And so I got involved with that and I started doing all different kinds of workshops. We did the sort of world of wellness kinds of things, right? Sleep and nutrition and stress management and, and all of those things for, you know, very stressed out college students. But we also did sexual health workshops and I absolutely remember exactly where I was the first time that I stood up in front of a group of people and did a workshop about sexual health. And I think specifically we talked about pleasure in that workshop. And I remembered thinking, wait a second, it's this, mm. this is what I want to be doing. From then on, it was really trying to figure out how do I make a career out of this? How do I just keep doing this?
1: Yeah, I think that's a question that a lot of people struggle with is like, I love working with children with special needs. I can make a career out of that, but not necessarily what society would call a successful career. So I totally understand that. Um, well, <laughs> not totally, but I, I, I understand the questioning of I know what I want to do, but what am I supposed to do now?
0: Well, and I think if you'd asked me, would I be doing this? Right. Yeah. 15 years after graduating from college, the, I would have laughed yeah. at you, right? Like when I went into this thinking, what kind of career can I make out of this? This was not what I thought that I would be doing. I thought, oh, I want to run a peer health education program. Wouldn't it be cool to be the person who runs that program? And I still think that would be a cool job. It'd be a job I'd be more than happy to have. But here I find myself doing this instead. So. And this as a job was not even conceivable when I was in college. I mean, I got my first iPhone when I graduated from Mm -hmm. college. So the idea of starting and like, yeah, it just didn't exist. So, you know, I think that there's so much pressure when we're younger to sort of think that we're going to have it all figured out. But I think what we forget is that there will be things that will be created that we won't even like we'll be stepping into jobs that no one could have conceived of when we were in high school or college.
1: Yeah. I think about that all the time, and it starts to make my brain hurt. <laughs>
0: I'm like, I don't know what's <laughs> <know>. going to happen. <laughs> I know, but there's a certain freedom in that, too. I know, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. So it's okay, right? There isn't yeah, a path. Exactly. That, there isn't this, like, set thing. You get to make it up as you go along. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, What advice would you give to somebody who is sitting there and is like, I don't know what I want to do, or they know what they want to do. They just don't know how to do it.
0: I would say, I mean, there are so many things, but what I often find myself saying to people and the thing that I have realized over the years is that all of us at any given moment, we are all the sum of all the things that have happened to us already. And what I mean by that is that I think we often think that we need to do a certain thing or be at a certain place or have a certain degree or we discount things, right? We say, well, I couldn't ever do that because I haven't done it this specific way. But most of the people in my life that I know who I think have the most interesting careers and jobs are people who, if you ask them, there isn't really a linear First I did this, then I did this, then I did this. It's like, well, I was doing this and then this was interesting and then this (laughs) happened and I said yes to that and now I'm over here. And I think that we forget that we will use everything. So the things that we don't like, that's useful. That's just as useful as having an experience that we do like. The things that we might experience with our family members or our friends, we can bring those skills into our work. Like I think sometimes we get very sort of, narrow and we think it's got to be this path. It has to be this specific way when in fact in my work and okay, so right now I use every single job that I've ever had at different times in my work in ways that I am surprised by all the time. I'm like, oh, actually I do know how to do that because I did that at this other thing. It's just about realizing this thing that I'm good at over here. I can actually be good at it over here or this thing I know I don't like in this other area, like, I probably am not going to like it here either. And so I really think it's kind of giving ourselves that freedom and flexibility and recognizing that we probably have a lot more within us than we often want to give ourselves credit for.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> you have me stumped. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I love what you said about how it's not linear. Like, for most people, what they study... In their college years is not what they end up doing a career in. My mom got a degree in art history and now works for a nonprofit about kindness. Like, nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not the same.
0: My, my stepmom has a degree in fine arts, like in making art, I think, nice. actually was her degree. And she is a cell biologist. Whoa! She has a PhD. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that's not the same. <laughs> that is too... <laughs> Totally
0: different ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. crazy. And
0: and she did that for many years. And then as a female scientist, started noticing all of these discrepancies right. Yeah. Right, in the lab space, in the research equipment, in the grants, in how young parents were treated as scientists. And so then she started getting really involved in equity work in the sciences. And now she's older. She's retired from her lab. And now she travels around the country and speaks. And she's the dean for equity work. And she does all of this. I mean, it's sort of like this whole other career that she started when she was a young parent, but that really kicked off, like in her 60s, she was going to retire. And then they were like, oh, actually, could you do this? And now she's doing that. So, you know, I think the more we plan, the more we kind of set those expectations, the more likely it is that we'll feel like, well, I'm not living up to that. I'm failing at this. But the more I think we can be interested in the world around us present to how we're feeling about the things that we're experiencing and good about knowing sort of, should I say yes or should I say no to this, right? Not getting pulled in directions that aren't the right fit for us, but kind of being able to like tune in and be like, Oh, I'm really vibing with this thing. Like maybe I should say yes to it. Right. Then I think it's more likely that we're going to end up someplace that we're really excited about.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, I said it earlier, like, I really love being with special needs children, so I've always thought about being a special needs teacher. But for the most part, special needs teachers don't make a whole lot of money. Teachers in general don't make a whole lot of money. But I know for a fact that I would be so incredibly happy if I were doing that. And so, I, yeah, yeah, it's a whole (laughs) trying to balance making sure that you can... Provide for yourself and your family, but also making sure that you're emotionally happy and not just like I wouldn't be happy at a boring desk job. (laughs) Making Mm -hmm. sure that you're not Mm -hmm. doing anything like that. And like, I can't speak for everybody and everybody's experiences, but I think school counselors generally try to get you on a path where it seems more linear. I like the way that you worded that. at least in my experience. I'm not trying to poop on school counselors. <laughs> this is just what I have experienced. And what I think a couple of my friends have experienced is like, focus on this and do that in college, and you'll be fine. But the space that you're providing for people to figure that out for themselves is so important. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I mean, like, we talk to people on OK So all the time who are, I think, are in this place, right? They're in high school, or they're in college, kind of early years, and they're exactly in this place. So, you know, yes, sometimes we're talking about sexual health and identity, gender and sexual orientation. And sometimes it's like, how do I know what I want to do? How do I figure out what I like? How do I find myself? And these are, they're super important questions. And I think, I love bringing up the sort of idea of college and career counselors, because I think, as valuable as they are, and can be, They also never see what happens next. So they're sort of in this one chunk of life with this like perpetual group of people kind of going through it. They never get to sort of follow folks and see what happens to everybody. Where do they go? What do their lives end up looking like? And one of the things that's harder, I think, when we're younger, but if we can, I talk to people a lot about really making sure that we have time where we're not looking at our phones, (laughs) where we're not listening to music, where we're taking a walk, where we're sitting and meditating, where we're putting away the things that we often pick up to distract ourselves from our own thoughts, but to really spend time with ourselves because that's when we start to be able to tune in to what kind of resonates with us. What are we vibing with? What are we not? And that way we can kind of take the advice that we're getting from the people in our lives, whether that's a college counselor a family friend, our best friend who really wants us to go to the same college that they're going to, cause wouldn't that be great? Right. Or whatever it is. And there isn't one person who's going to have all the answers. Even as I'm, even as I'm all the time giving advice on, okay, so I'm sort of always like, look, this is my thought. <laughs> this is my, right? Like you take this with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. And like you take it and you filter it through you. Yeah, exactly. Because. That's all you can do, right? So you take it and you filter it through you. And if it fits, then great. And if it doesn't, that's okay. And I think when you're younger, it can be harder to know that it's okay to do that or to feel like it's okay to do that. Because I think there are often a lot of people saying, no, you have to do it this way, or you don't know who you are yet. And so all of that comes into play. And I think many adults spend much of their lives wrestling with this too, and maybe don't even come to a place where they can kind of stand on their own and say, "Nah, that doesn't work for me because this is who I am. I think people sometimes live their whole lives without ever actually getting there.
1: Yeah, you struck a chord with saying, oh, no, you <laughs> don't know who you are yet. It's just, it makes me so angry. I've thankfully personally did not experience that, but I have a lot of friends in the LGBTQ community who like when they came out, their parents were like, mm, you don't know yet, you're young. Mm-hmm <laughs> I have very supporting parents who are like, great, just make good decisions and it's fine. But yeah, you struck a chord. <laughs> it's like, ah, <laughs> frustration. Um, I want to talk more about OK So, because I just think it's mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> For young people and for everybody, it's really hard to ask those kinds of questions and it's really hard to find the safe spaces to find those kinds of questions. And how have you guys created a safe space for people to ask those tougher questions?
0: Yes. I mean, it's so important. And I think it's something that we have spent a lot of time thinking about, especially because, you know, both of us had previous jobs where we were trying to create safe in-person spaces. Mm -hmm. And so I think actually, when I think back through all of the jobs that I've had, that's been kind of the through line, right? I've been really trying to create safe spaces for people. In in every job that I've had, that's been the sort of underlying theme. I once had someone I was interviewing with be like, you're too scattered. You need to just focus. And it was actually that it was very frustrating to <laughs> me. Yeah, because I thought for right, this is a great example. I was much younger and I sort of thought, oh, no, he's right. But what was great was that I spent a couple of weeks kind of being scared and freaking out about that and thinking I needed to change everything I was doing. And then I took a step back and really thought about it. And that was when I actually came to this realization that everything that I had been doing was really focused on creating safe spaces. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's what I'm good at. That's what I like to do. And so it actually, his advice was wrong, (laughs) but it got me to a good place. (laughs) So, you know, to come back to the sort of idea of filtering it to not take it at face value, but to see what it means for you. Anyway, in terms of sort of safe spaces on, OKSO, okay, you know, I think that obviously the anonymity is a huge piece of it. There is so much shame and fear and stigma around so many of these issues. And we, when we were building, okay, so what we were really trying to think about was we want a place where someone can ask the thing that they have been holding onto that is like deep down inside them, the thing where they feel like, if I ever said this to someone in my life, they would reject me. They would think I was weird. They would think that I was a bad person for watching porn, a bad person for liking girls, whatever it might be, right? You know, the parts of them where they feel that they're broken, all that stuff. We wanted to think, okay, we want to create a space that enables someone to ask that question, to let go of that and put it out there and get support. And so The anonymity was super, super big for that, because if no one knows who you are, then that gives you the freedom to do that. And then I think the other piece of it for us is really allowing people to ask it in their own words and not having to figure out how do I Google this Mm. in a way that's going to get the answer that I need or how do I get close in Google, but to allow people to show up exactly as they are in that moment which sometimes means that people write us like sometimes i am scrolling and scrolling and scrolling as i read someone's question because what they need in that moment is to say oh my gosh okay so this and then this and then this and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened and and what do i do because here are all the things that i'm worried about right and that is a real emotional moment for people to be in and i think when we go to google something we have to sort of package ourselves yeah right into this like eight words (laughs) to try to figure out how to sum up where we're at when really what people need is a place to just put the thing down. And so that was really what we tried to think about was how will people feel safe to share it? And then how will it feel like it's truly what they need to share in that moment? And that gets people to the point of asking a question, I think most of the time. And then the other thing that we do is we train all of the people who are responding. And what we talk to them about is that we want to respond first around empathy. Mm, And we want to connect with someone about how they're feeling before we ever jump to information. And so we do a lot of work with folks to really be able to say, yeah, this sounds super hard. I'm so sorry that this is going on, right? Or you are not alone, You are normal, right? All of those things that we all need to hear. So we really try to lead with that so that even during the conversation, we're trying to develop trust as quickly as we can with folks. When we were building, okay, so part of what we did was a, a kind of way of thinking and designing that's called human centered design. And it meant that we talked to hundreds of people. Some of those people were young people. Some of them were volunteers. Some of them were experts in these areas and some of them were what are called analogous users. So it's like you pick something that's kind of important about what you're doing, and then you try to find someone who might do something similar. And so we actually talked to someone who works as a hostage negotiator.
1: Oh, wow. Because
0: I know it was so cool. It was my idea. So I'm particularly proud of it. But we, you know, when we were trying to think about what do our experts need to do, they need to build trust with people who are stressed out, very quickly. And that is what a hostage negotiator also needs to do. So it was really fun to think about that kind of thing, right? Who can we talk to who can help us understand what this might look like or how we might do this?
1: That's so cool.
0: (laughs) It was really cool. That would be so
1: much fun. I would love to
0: talk to a hostage negotiator.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. So if you could go back in time and tell your teen self something that you needed to hear or give yourself some advice, what would you tell yourself?
0: Whew. This is always I mean, the hardest wouldn't? question
1: for people. It's I know. So funny.
0: What wouldn't I tell myself? Exactly. It's reparenting work is what it is, right? It's all the things that you needed to hear. Yeah. And there's so, so many of those things. Um, I think I would say many of the things that I have already said, especially when we were talking about sort of finding your way. I mean, <laughs> I will tell you, my high school had an option to take college classes at the local like state university or, you know, and so I took intro to psychology and social psych while I was a senior in high school. Then I rolled up to the psychology department at Barnard and was like, hi, so can I take statistics? Because I've already taken, And they were like, okay, relax, <laughs> freshmen. You know, like it was just, I distinctly remember getting the feeling that they were like, okay, try hard. You know, it was just like too much. And that was absolutely sort of where I was at that point. And I do think that I managed to slow down and enjoy college. Mm. I took a comparative literature class on the literature of domination and submission where we read like Saad and Mazak. I took an art history class. Like I had a great time. I did a lot. And I think that actually had I maybe not had that moment where someone on the campus was like, you need to chill yeah. out, yeah. you know. So I think that's really a piece of it was that like it is never too late, it, we, right? Yeah. We've never like passed the point at which we can change and do something different. I'm doing something completely different than what I thought I would be doing when I came into college and I've learned so much. So I think really it would just be kind of helping myself understand that life Life is simultaneously like, very long and somehow also very short. But like the long part of it is that you have so many days and years to figure stuff out. So just stop and enjoy what's going on right now and try to be as present as possible instead of freaking out about the future all the time.
1: Yeah, I think that's perfect advice to to end the episode on, honestly. But <laughs> I do have one last question for you, which is where can everybody who's listening find more of you where can where can they download the app the app store iTunes yeah give me the deets i will happily
0: tell you all those things so our website is okso.org and we spell okso o k a y s o and then either on the google play store or in the app store if you just search for okso it should be the first slash only thing that pops up. And, you know, you can follow us on social media as well. It's hey okay so on all the different platforms. We are most active on Instagram right now. But yeah, so you can follow us. You can look at our website. We're here. We've got experts. We're ready to answer people's questions uh, anytime. So feel free to download it, create an account, and uh, ask as many questions as you've got. Perfect. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. I completely agree. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you and to get to meet you. Thank you. I appreciate it.